0: There's no way to look at Genesis chapter 19 and reach the conclusion that this is an easy text. It may be that text in all of Scripture which most powerfully uh, reminds us of the willingness of Scripture to be uh, direct, and straightforward, and honest about the the size and the scope and the dimension and the reach of sin in our lives. There's some horrible, horrible stuff going on in chapter 19, not just at the beginning, but from beginning to end. Uh, most of it or having to do with the physical, uh, sexual nature of mankind. If you remember when we covered Genesis chapter 18, we talked about uh, Abraham negotiating with God over uh, how many righteous people it would take uh, to sort of coax God into sparing Sodom and Gomorrah, and you may remember that we talked about the... uh, ongoing uh, debates about the reasoning that God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Some saying it's because of the the raging homosexual sin. Some saying now more contemporarily saying, oh, it was a failure of uh, hospitality. And I made the case, no, it was a failure of the remnant. God would have spared the city with all the wickedness that was there had there been 10 righteous people in the city. But you know, God's grace is such that even though there weren't 10 righteous in the city, he nevertheless was not going to allow the righteous to be destroyed with the unrighteous. The angels are sent into the city to go and rescue Lot and uh, any of those that would go with Lot as Lot's family, very much similar to Uh, Noah and his family. Destruction is coming. This time not a universal destruction, but destruction is coming. The warning is given and uh, Lot is given the opportunity to get out with uh, his wife and with his daughters and with his future sons-in-law. But before any of that can happen, there's I hesitate to say a knock on the door, but a pounding on the door. These angels that have come to rescue Lot uh are almost assaulted when they were planning to spend the night in the town square, and Lot in his uh good character to a point anyway, uh prompts him to go and beg them, no, don't stay here. It's not safe for you to stay here. Come with me, come with me, come with me. So they go to Lot's house, but the sort of uh, mob has already seen these angels and they decide they need to have them. And they come pounding on the door, demanding them. Lot goes out the door, tries to talk them out of it. Interesting how peacefully Uh, He actually speaks with them. First, he refers to them as brothers. For all of his mourning over the behavior of those people in Sodom, he is identifying with them. And then comes what may be the most troubling thing of the entire story, though there's, again, lots of trouble here. Lot tries to uh, sort of... Uh, satisfy the lusts and the demands of this crowd by offering up his daughters. Now, there have been uh, different theories that have been posited that suggest that somehow this is not as bad and as ugly as it seems. Uh, And I could believe any of those theories up until I get to the end of the chapter. I don't think any of those theories are right. I don't think, and I think this is important for us to get, and we'll see again throughout the rest of the uh, chapter. When we speak about Lot being a righteous man, we're not talking about Lot being a righteous man. He is perhaps comparatively righteous to this uh, crowd who have given themselves over to their lusts and are racing around looking for someone to rape. Uh, That's certainly not what Lot's doing. But Lot is comfortable enough to be there. He is comfortable enough to offer up his daughters, which in a manner of speaking, he's already done. I mean, think about this. These uh, uh sort of fiances that aren't going to go with him when he says, "We've got to flee, we've got to run, come on, let's go now, I know you're not married yet, but let's go now, gotta go now, and they don't take him seriously. Well, why don't they take him seriously? Could it be that they don't take him seriously because of all the years that he's spent in Sodom knowing what's going on there and that he's been silent? kind of reminds me of of people who, uh, with the best of intentions, uh, want to maintain their church membership in mainline churches. That word mainline may not mean much to you, but it is in contradistinction to evangelical churches. Mainline churches are uh, older denominations that have been uh, overrun by theological liberalism which is not necessarily sexual liberalism or political liberalism. It's theological liberalism where they deny the deity of Christ. They deny the resurrection of Christ. They deny the inerrancy of scripture. These kinds of churches that you'll find like in the PCUSA, the Presbyterian Church USA, the ECUSA, the Episcopal Church USA, the United Church of Christ, uh, other denominations that have been around for a long time, uh, there are some folks who take the position that we need to stay in these churches so that we can be a witness to Christ. There are people in these churches that are believers, and I believe that, absolutely believe that. And we want to stay to encourage them, to strengthen them, to to try to push them in the right direction. And I tell those people, do you understand the message that you're actually sending. The message you're wanting to send is, hey, you don't have to be a liberal unbeliever like all these people in our institution. That's a good message. But the message you're actually sending is, yeah, we're not thrilled with some of the things that happened and and are believed in this denomination and by our leadership, but it's not that big of a deal. It's small potatoes. That's what you're communicating. And that is precisely what Lot has been communicating to his future sons-in-laws. I would say to his daughters as well and even his wife. Lot is a man of deeply divided loyalties such that in this moment of crisis, first such that He would throw his daughters out the door. But Lot is rescued by the angels. The angels drag him back into the uh, home. They blind the blind men. And then they give that message You've got to go. You've got to flee. You've got to go right now. You've got to go now. We're going to be destroying this city. And you need to flee to the mountains. And Lot says, You know what? I was about to give up my daughters to those animals out there. And I was about to get overrun by them. And you, angels that have come here, have rescued me. And if you say I need to run to the mountains, that's exactly what I'm going to do right now. Yeah, that's not what Lot said, is it? It's not at all what Lot said. Lot said, Yeah, you know, gosh. I don't know about running to the forest out there. That forest could be kind of rough. Know, like, there could be spiders out there. <laughs> I don't, it's, you know, the irony, of course, is that the chapter ends. He is out in the wilderness hiding in a cave. But when he first does, he, he doesn't want to go to the wilderness. He wants to go to a nearby city. He can't let go of the local inhabitants. He doesn't try out, let me go to my uncle, Abraham. No, neither one. Let me go to this city. Let me go to this city. And he goes to the city, takes his daughters, takes his wife. And then we have Lot's wife looking backward and turning into a pillar of salt. let me just stop right here for a second and remind you contra theological liberals. Do you know what that means? That, that, uh, Lot's wife turned around, looked backward at Sodom and Gomorrah while it's being uh, destroyed with, uh, fire and brimstone. That means that Lot's wife looked backwards and God turned her into a pillar of salt. I know it sounds bizarre. I know it sounds crazy. But this is what the Word of God says. This is exactly what happened. So you've got the future sons-in-law that won't come with because they think Lot's out of his mind. You've got Lot's wife who is willing to come for a time, but she has this longing in her heart that causes her to look back. and She's turned into a pillar of salt and now you have destroyed Sodom, destroyed Gomorrah. Lot's wife is a pillar of salt. The, the uh, future sons-in-law are destroyed in the city. And you've got Lot and his two daughters left. And they don't feel safe in this town that they wanted to run to, Zoar. So and so they do end up in this cave. I want you to imagine the level of uh, dysfunction. And I I hesitate to use a psychological term because really it's sin. But if I can use that term, I want you to imagine the level of dysfunction in Lot's family. That he would try to give his daughters off to this gang. Gang. And then, when it's just the three of them, what the daughters come up with to get protection for themselves. I want you to remember this about Leverite marriage, about what's going on with uh, Ruth and uh, Boaz and, and, and what God's established in his law. Uh Is this principle that if uh, a man and a woman are married and uh, the husband dies before uh, she has been given any uh, children or specifically any sons, then it's the duty of the man's brother uh, to take her as a bride, to give her a son. And then that son is the heir of the dead brother's line. This is called leverite marriage. And this was the, the, the practice because this was such a rough time, such a rough age that, uh, well, women were regularly taken advantage of by men and they needed protection and they needed a provider. And so here's Lot and his daughters in this cave, having barely escaped the destruction of the city, having gone through and witnessed Lot wanting to hand them over to this gang and their husbands or future husbands rather are dead and they think to themselves we got to get us a protection we got to get us a man at some point to be able to provide for us which means we've got to get us some sons and here it's you it's me it's dad we're in this cave no, there, there's no other, there's only one way for us to get these sons. And Lot, Lot doesn't stop this plan. Lot doesn't necessarily know this plan, but here's what Lot does. Lot drinks too much. He loses himself. He loses his inhibitions. He loses his remembrance of the proper relationship between a father and a daughter. And he sleeps with his daughter. Well, the next day comes and daughter number two does the same thing. I don't know. I don't know Even if Lot didn't remember what happened with the first daughter, surely he remembered drinking too much. And surely the next day he wouldn't think to himself, I need to do this again. Well, he would and he did. All of which ought to remind us and to make sure we never lose sight of this truth. That this chapter, chapter 19 of the book of Genesis, that chronicles uh, the wicked behavior of the men of Sodom, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, and the behavior of Lot, Lot's wife, and Lot's daughters, there are no good guys in this story. Save the angels. There are no good humans in this story. All of these people are wicked. Profoundly wicked. All of these people are profoundly sexually confused. Or perhaps more biblically, are in radical sexual rebellion against God. But Lot, Lot's still rescued. We know from this event with his daughters that from uh, this event, some of the very people that the children of Israel struggle with throughout their history, they came from this event. The Moabites, for instance, descended from one of these daughters' son. But Lot was saved. Not because Lot was a good man. But because Lot's savior was a good man. Lot was saved not because he had the wisdom to flee Sodom. He didn't. He had to be dragged away. Not because he was a good father. He wasn't. He was a terrible, horrendous father. Like the anti-father. About as bad of a father as you could possibly be. He wasn't a good husband. He wasn't even a good nephew. But God rescued him. God stooped down and sent these messengers to pull Lot's fat out of the fire of Sodom. Which is a picture of what God has done for all of us. Pulling our fat out of the eternal fire of Gehenna. Of hell itself. How strange, how bizarre, how shocking that we would come to this chapter... In Genesis 19 and read of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, read of the turning of uh, Lot's wife into a pillar of salt and actually struggle with, gosh, this chapter sort of makes God look like a bad guy. Oh no, friends. Genesis 19 is another chapter, like every other chapter of the scripture that portrays for us the tender, loving, rescuing, redeeming grace of God. Never, ever should we say of God, when he executes his justice, how could he But let us instead, always, when we consider the grace that God has shown us, ask the question, why would he? Grace is not something that we're owed. It's not something that we're due. But it is who he is. Even in this horror show of a story, God is a God who rescues the most grievous of sinners such that they escape death by the hand of his grace.